And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. It's No Sleep Till Belmont. We're getting ready for the 2021-22 season. Back again for another year of your favorite Islanders podcast. Uh, and No Sleep Till Belmont name has taken on some more significance this year because in a couple of months, they will actually, Islanders will actually be in UBS Arena at Belmont. Um, and that will, we're not going to change the name of the show, but it will be very exciting that uh, that it's finally come to fruition after I think this is year three for us on this podcast. So flying solo today, we're going to have a roster of some very interesting guests to come in the next few weeks uh, to t- start kick us off for the 21-22 season. But today I think we're just going to recap what's been going on this offseason. Uh, it was a long and very secretive summer for Lou Lamarillo and the Islanders. We didn't really know a whole lot about what they had done. Uh, and there weren't a, a ton of headline-making moves. I think they'd made those with the trades that they made of Nick Letty and Andrew Ladd back in July before free agency started, and then things went quiet. Uh, but now we've got a lot to talk about, and it's an interesting-looking team heading into training camp, which just starts in a couple of days. I think we'll try to intersperse some of our Islanders fan survey, which got a great response, 2,020 responses to our survey, which is a great number for us. Um, and lots and lots of optimism from fans out there, which I don't think uh, even Islander fans are very used to having that level of optimism. But the way the last two seasons have gone, getting within a a couple of games with Stanley Cup final each year, uh, it's certainly justified. And when we talk, I think uh, the first question of the survey, which is how optimistic are you as an Islander fan about this season? Uh, Just about everybody, over 80%, uh, giving the highest marks, eights, nines, and tens on a scale of one to 10 um, that's, that's a, that's a pretty appropriate level of optimism. Like I said, given what's been going on, given the fact that UBS arena finally opens this season, albeit after a very long 13 game road trip to open the regular season, um, given the stability that Lou Amarillo and Barry Trotz have brought to the organization, the, the advancement of some of their younger players, the, the, uh, step up of a lot of their veteran players, especially in the playoffs, um, it's a very complete group, and uh, I think fans certainly have recognized it. And, and I think the only thing we marvel at is, for me, someone who's been around the team for a long, long time, and fans have certainly obviously been around the team for a long time. Um, it, it's remarkable, I guess, in the turnaround from just a few years ago where people were when John Tavares left. They'd missed the playoffs for a couple of years in a row, and ownership was uh, was trying to wrestle with uh, some of the front office situations that they finally got under control. So. Um, it's very different, and uh, I think it's very exciting for Islander fans. Questions two and three, confidence in Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz, obviously sky high. Um, a little bit higher for Barry Trotz. I think uh, I think a lot of fans recognize that, uh, that Lou has put himself in a bit of a tough position with some of the contracts he signed uh, of some of their longer-term players, having to kind of tap dance his way through these last two off-seasons with some significant losses. You know, Devontae's uh, summer before this one. Nick Letty, uh, certainly a, a long-serving and, and very positive and productive member of the organization for seven years. Um, 
trading him to Detroit to free up some cap space. Jordan Everly being lost in the expansion draft to Seattle. Um, Andrew Ladd, we'll get to him in a, in a little bit later uh, in our in our survey, but uh, he was obviously a, a more of a more of a negative presence, I guess, in his five years here uh, after signing as a free agent. Definitely not the uh, not the ideal signing from uh, the summer of 2016. So some good moves by Lou Lamarillo, but also losing a couple of the core guys uh, and not necessarily replacing them with with frontline young younger players. We'll see how it all shakes out in training camp. But um, but Lou had uh, you know it was a, another difficult off season, and uh, I think he navigated it pretty well. But also when you kind of see some of the contracts that he's had to try to get rid of, which are ones that he signed. Or try to you know work around. I guess um, maybe the confidence level isn't quite as high in him as it is in Barry Trotz. And like I said, seventy-two uh, percent giving the highest marks ten to their confidence level in Barry Trotz. And and really, what has he done to to kind of dissuade people from having that sort of confidence? Nothing. It's uh, it's been a remarkable three-year run. He's a guy who, as I pointed out uh, in the story about the survey, I think the way that he communicates his ideas to the media. And then on to the fans um, is so clear and precise. Uh, you know, there's definitely some coaches, longtime coaches, veteran, you know, veteran coaches who have had as much success as he has, who try to obfuscate and, and keep their their motivations hidden. And he's not really like that. He certainly doesn't give away at the store. But uh, but when he explains his concepts, they're very easy for everyone to understand. And I think that brings a lot of fans into the, you know, into the uh, <clears throat> into the fold a little bit and feels like feel like they they know a little bit more about their team. Um, you know, as far as the roster goes, uh, our fourth question was, who is your favorite current Islander? Um, Matthew Barzell won out with about a quarter of the votes, um, but it was pretty evenly distributed. And I think that speaks to a lot of what the Islanders have, have come to be about is uh, they are very team oriented. There's not one single player that is necessarily a bigger star than a, than, than a lot of others. Barzal is obviously the most talented player on the team. Um, you know, their goaltending is super important, obviously, but uh, but I think reflected in you know decent number of votes, uh, almost nine percent of the voters picked Adam Pellick, who's really risen up from from kind of obscurity to be a, a well known quantity now in the NHL with the way he's played the last two seasons. Casey Zizekas, around 10%, will always be a fan favorite. Anders Lee, 13%. And John Gabriel Pajot, second. 17% of the voters picked him as their favorite Islander, which is pretty remarkable considering he came in in the you know right before the pandemic. Um, he's not a guy that, that I think fans have had a, an ability to connect with, really, because he's played pretty much the, his entire Islander career in the shadow of the pandemic with either without fans or uh, with limited fans until the end of last season. But, uh, but I think the way he plays really embodies what Islander fans love about this team. Um, and I think that trade will stand uh, for a long time as the one that kind of really cinched the Islanders uh, as a, as an elite team in the league and you know, put a real stamp on their identity. Um, they had lots of identity guys already, but I think bringing someone in who matched that identity that as they did, Lou Lamarillo did with Pajot, um, it was, uh, it was a big moment, you know, even though it didn't quite seem like it at the time. Um, our fifth question, which was, who is your least favorite Islander? I think elicited a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, amusing responses since it was a kind of an open-ended question. I didn't offer up any, any choices, um, cause it's a very personal one. Um, a lot of people responded with 
I don't have a least favorite Islander, which is always an encouraging thing to hear. Um, the best one of those, I think, was the I love all my sons equally, which uh, is a good way to sum it up for the fans. Uh, but having said that, uh, Leo Komarov definitely was uh, the runaway winner in this category. And uh, Uncle Leo's back in town. He'll be back on the ice, presumably, uh, to start training camp, unless we hear otherwise after physicals and testing are done on Wednesday and they hit the ice on Thursday. Um, and as I pointed out, you know, I think the deal with Uncle Leo is uh, he's not a guy that's disliked for who he is or how he plays. It's more how he's used. And maybe if that's a knock on Barry Trotz, you know, we go back to the postseason when uh, Komarov stayed on Matthew Barzell's wing in place of Anders Lee for pretty much the entire postseason with a couple of odd shifts here and there where he wasn't. Um, and Oliver Wallstrom, who was back healthy after missing some time in the postseason with a knee injury, was was sitting on the sidelines and uh, late in the Tampa series. Um, so maybe that's the one knock on Barry Trotz that I think from fans were if, if the ones that didn't give him a 10 on the scale of one to 10 is uh, that maybe he, he tends to prefer what he, what he knows he has, even if it's not as good as what might he might have in a younger player or a different player. Um, and Komarov gives what he has, you know, it's uh, he's, He's ungainly and not great to look at, but uh, he has had his moments and, um, you know, he's been here. He's certainly not the reason why the Islanders have had the success that they've had, but he's been a part of it. And I think, uh, you know, there's definitely a little bit of a little bit of pushback inside the room and inside the organization when people take their shots at Komarov because he is so he is so well liked in the room and and does what he needs to do with his with his fairly limited uh, professional abilities. So, uh, again, I understand why the people say he's their least favorite, but I don't think it's a personal reflection on him. It's more how he's used. And now we get to question six, which is what was Lamarillo's best move of the offseason? And we can kind of dive into some of those. Um, you know, trading Nick Letty was, uh, was seemed kind of necessary at the time to get rid of the last year of his contract. Um, the Islanders were able to get a second round pick back, plus Richard Ponick, who seemingly will be on the ice in camp as, a, as one of those depth forwards that they might be able to use. Um, trading Andrew Ladd, which was the runaway winner, almost 85%. I don't think anybody, any any other question, single answer got a, that much of a vote in the entire survey as that one. So that was the clear winner for, for the fans in terms of uh, positive moves by Lamarillo. You know, we, we started the survey and closed it before Zdeno Chara signed last weekend. So um, we couldn't quite dive, dive into that too much. I don't think that would have overtaken Andrew Ladd's trade. But uh, but signing Chara, I think, is a popular move. Signing Zach Parise is a popular move. It's not exactly um, – those aren't like I said, those aren't headline-making guys. There's a guy who's surefire, a surefire Hall of Famer in Chara and Parise, if maybe he adds a Stanley Cup, as a guy who would at least be in consideration – for the kind of career he's had, but they're definitely at the tail end. But it is interesting to see, and and when we get back from uh, from a break, we'll we'll break down why those moves were made, and and I think what they mean not just for this team and for this season, but for the organization as a whole. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I think the Chara and Parise signings are important. They're not the most important moves that Lamarillo made. And obviously, you know, the cap situation dictated some of these moves. We haven't even heard yet what those guys are going to be making on presumably one-year deals. And Parise is 37 and Chara is going to be 45 in March. So I would bet that they're going to be one-year deals, but they're going to be structured a lot like Andy Green's contract the last each of the last couple of years where I assume the, the cap hit for now will be the league minimum of 750000 There'll be some easily attainable bonuses to bump it up. And then the Islanders will have to worry about those bonuses carrying over to count against the cap in 2022-23, which I think we've learned by now with Lou Lamarillo, you worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And if you can try to win a Stanley Cup today, you make some sacrifices. So um, like I said, not headline-making moves. Um, Chara, you know, I think uh, in his 24th season last year in Washington was was okay. You know, he started off really well and I think faded a little bit. Um and then, you know, I think Washington as a team faded a little bit and was kind of a non-factor in the playoffs. But uh, And Parise, you know, coming off of back surgery with a new GM and a new coach uh, over the, you know, the last year plus was a healthy scratch a lot down the stretch in Minnesota, was a healthy scratch initially in the playoffs and came back and had a decent impact late in their, in their first round loss to Vegas. But again, not really able to get them over the hump. And that's kind of been the knock on the wild for his entire stretch there. So, you know, these are guys that are presumably going to slot in. I would guess that Parise is going to be your third line left wing to start the year, probably play some power play. Zdeno Chara seems right now to be the best option uh, to be on that left side of the defense, somewhere in the mix with Andy Green behind Adam Pellick, whether Chara is paired with Scott Mayfield, which is Letty's old spot, or whether he's paired with Noah Dobson, which would seem to make a little more sense stylistically, also remains to be seen as we get through training camp in the preseason. But I think the thing that really makes an impact with these two guys is how much they wanted to come here. And Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz have a lot to do with that. I think for Chara, um, maybe there's a little bit of nostalgia considering, you know, he was he was an Islander at the beginning of his career. The Islanders drafted him in 1996. He was here from 1997 to 2001. Uh, I've talked to some of his teammates and his coach, Butch Goring, from that era and, and the guy that they talk about then. Um, you know, doesn't they, they, you no know, one could have predicted then what he would turn into throughout his career and still be playing now two decades later. But there were definitely some glimpses and uh, some glimpses of the guy that he could have that he was about to become, and certainly took some big steps when he did get traded to Ottawa in, in the Alexi Yashin deal. Um, and as far as Parise is concerned, you know the 2003 draft where uh, he fell a little bit down the board and the Islanders were picking at 15. It passed over him for Robert Nielsen. Two picks later, the Devils and Lou Lamarillo jumped, and Parise had a pretty incredible seven-year run with the Devils, including a Stanley Cup final. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily about writing some of Mike Milbury's wrongs, necessarily, that, that Lamarillo's uh, trying to accomplish here and appease the fans. It's, it's a, 
it certainly feels like that for the Islander fans, which is good, but also the desire of these two guys at the tail end of their career is one with a Stanley Cup, albeit a decade ago, and one who's still trying to get there, that they feel like this was one of their best chances. Um, you know, this this was maybe their best opportunity for Parise. I think his loyalty to Lamarillo really won out, whether it was Vegas or maybe another team that was interested in him. Chara said there were a few teams that called. Um, you know, he's a guy who tries to stay in the Northeast with his family based in Boston. Um, so I think those are also factors too, but if you pick out all those teams, uh, and the Islanders come out ahead of some of these other teams, that's a very new development. Even, even since Barry Trotz and Lou Lamoureux got here, you don't normally see still viable, well-known guys want to say, if I'm going to finish my career and try to win a Stanley cup, this is the place I want to do it on Long Island. So I think that, that level of confidence that, that, players around the league project onto the Islanders because of their success and because of who's running the show now um, has really taken them into a different, a different place. And I did hear from an old teammate of, of Chara's uh, who helped tour him around uh, Northwell health not long ago, maybe right after he signed and Chara was just in awe because when he was an Islander, it was Iceworks over in Sayoset, which if you've ever been there, you know, uh, probably looks the same now as it did in 1996 or 1997 and hasn't changed a whole lot. It's one of the coldest places on earth, not just on Long Island, since the Islanders practiced there a little bit of their time while I was covering them. Um, but I think that sort of eye-opening experience of seeing a state-of-the-art practice facility at Northwell, and then I assume seeing what will, what's to come at UBS, um, that's got to jar some memories loose for Zidane Ojara, where uh, – you know, instead of running the steps at the Coliseum in his training in the in his first off season when he was when he was there as a twenty year old kid, now he's got this incredible facility. Um, he's got there's an incredible arena for them to play in, and uh, and Long Island is still Long Island with all it has to offer. So, um, I think we're going to see maybe if not uh, you know super impactful play from both those guys. Uh, just the impact of seeing them in Islanders uniforms will mean a lot. Um, and of course, we can skip over the what the level of excitement is for Islanders fans for UBS Arena through the roof. Obviously, fans who are going to get to go there are going to love it. Uh, I think even the fans that are watching the games on TV will love it. You know, the Coliseum uh, was amazing to see it close down in the way it did with uh, with Anthony Beauvillier's overtime goal in Game Six, of the the semifinals against Tampa. Um, but uh, but I think this is this is definitely taking the Islanders into a new era their first real state-of-the-art building in 50 years. It's uh, it's amazing to think about that all the twists and turns of their arena sagas that have been going on for decades, you know, ever since John Pickett was looking for a new arena and then decided to sell back in the 80s. Um, this is a team that's never really had a nice place to call home. You know, I think the fact that Northwell exists and has existed for the last few years has really helped because that's the place that the Islanders spend most of their time at their practice facility, but both places being state of the art is going to be, uh, I think a big jump, um, maybe, maybe a little bit shell shocking for a lot of the fans that are used to going to the Coliseum, but, uh, but you'll get used to it. It's, it's going to be nice. Um, the biggest area of concern was one of the next question from the survey, and that was pretty evenly split. Um, Defense won out, and about 39% of the respondents said they were concerned about defense. This was before the Chara signing. I don't know that it would go down that much. As I said, you know, you look at their their depth chart on D, especially on the left side, and when they traded Letty, it seemed like that was a place they wanted to upgrade via trade, and 
you know, you don't want to speculate because Lou Lamarello doesn't allow any information out, as we know. Um, but you'd have to think that they were they were trying to make a trade with whomever. Maybe it was with Seattle, since Seattle picked a lot of left-handed defensemen uh, in the expansion draft. Maybe they hit up Anaheim to try to see what the cost would be to get Hampus Lindholm for a whole year. Um, there's definitely some other options out there, but uh, but they didn't make it happen. So I imagine that Zidane Char was a very attractive plan B to fall back on. Maybe he was a guy that they were going to sign regardless to be there. You know, if he wasn't going to be in that spot, maybe he'd be, uh, you know, a six, you know, sixth, seventh defenseman, someone who's good to have around, obviously. Um, and maybe take the burden off having to play him every day. Now, having said that, uh, as we go forward, Lou has definitely keep kept his options open because you start the season with Chara and Andy Green, whose combined age is, I think, 83 right now. Um, and you're not going to necessarily rely on them for each for a full 82 games and trying to mix and match them on the penalty kill or five on five. Uh, it's going to be difficult, you know, because Adam Pellick, as good as he's become, is not a 30 minute a night guy where you can just have a couple of sheltered older guys behind him. This has been a, you know, a, a three pair defense rotation for, for a lot of years. And, uh, I don't think they're going to try to change that now when you go back from 56 to 82 games. So we'll see. We'll see what the Islanders have in store. You know, I think to start the season, you're looking at Chara, you're looking at Andy Green. Um, in those starting spots, you're going to try, you know, you're going to see a lot of Samuel Bolduck, I think, in training camp and in some of those preseason games to see what he can handle since he looked pretty good in the AHL. You're going to see Robin Salo, who's coming over from Europe, maybe get some time. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, who's on a one-way deal now and needs waivers, maybe he gets some more time. And, and Thomas Hickey is still around. I, I don't really know what they have in store for him, but... Um, there's a lot of options. Are they, are they the, the best options possible? Not right now. So I think you get through the beginning of the season with, with the depth that you have and mix and match. And, and I think as the season goes on, whether it's two months in or closer to the trade deadline, then I think Lou Lamarillo starts to reassess. And maybe that's the spot where uh, he expends another first round pick as we get close to the deadline to add a, a left side defenseman. This is obviously barring any injury concerns, but um, you I think they can feel a little bit more comfort uh, with Chara signed to see what they have to start the season rather than trying to wing it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So we'll skip ahead to the end of the survey since some of the the middle questions aren't uh, quite so uh, conversation-worthy right now. Um, And the one for me that was the most interesting 
uh, as the survey was piling up was, uh, where do you see the Islanders finishing this year? And 57% of the fans that responded said between 90 and 100 points, which I thought was a little bit low. You know, 41%, the vast majority of the rest of them said between 100 and 110, which is kind of where I would project them. I think I think it's fair to label them as the favorites right now in the Metro division. You know, them, Carolina, you know, Pittsburgh, Philly, Washington, Rangers, probably all on that next group. But uh, but I think the Islanders have established themselves now and, and really doing it without a ton of regular season success. You know, they had a really good year in the full, last full season of 1819 and, and earned home ice and playoff series for the first time in, I think it was 35 years, uh, and then got to the second round. But the last two years, you know, even with all their playoff success, they have not had the greatest consistency in the regular season. They were in danger of missing the playoffs when the pandemic hit and got in primarily because they expanded the playoffs. Um, and then this past season, you know, finished fourth. It was a tight four, uh, those top four, only six points out of first uh, where Pittsburgh was. And obviously, as the playoffs showed, the Islanders were still the best team in that division. But uh, but you still have to be able to have that consistency in the regular season. And, and I think you don't want to be in danger of, of missing the playoffs. And I don't think they will be this year. I think they've understood that uh, you want to be a little more consistent in the regular season. You don't want to sacrifice yourself to for the sake of of any postseason success, but but they need to be able to set, kind of separate themselves from the pack, I think, to really show that they're an elite team. Um, but a lot of you said between 90 and 100, which to me is not a division-winning number. Um, interesting to see that. And, uh, you know, there is there is occasionally one once a year when it's an 82-game season, sometimes twice, where you see a 90-point team that doesn't make the playoffs. So I feel like they're 100, 110. I'm with the 41% of you. Um, and I think the last couple of questions were were the, the most fun ones for me, which is uh, which Islanders rival do you dislike the most? And I keep thinking every year that the Rangers will somehow fall from that perch just because it really hasn't been much of a rivalry the last few years. The Islanders have dominated the Rangers. You know, it's it's arguable to say that the Islanders clubbing the Rangers twice at the end of the regular season last year would was the impetus for a ton of changes with the Rangers. Obviously, the Tom Wilson incident had something to do with all the Rangers bringing the muscle the Rangers brought in, but fired their GM, fired their team president, fired their coach, brought in Ryan Reeves, brought in Barkley Goodrow on a very expensive contract, um, and really, you know, kind of the one of the one of the highlighted moments of why this all happened was the Islanders just ragdolling them around the ice, not not fighting them, but just kind of physically imposing their will on them in those two games toward the end of the season that were kind of the official elimination of the Rangers from the playoff race. Um, but having said that, I guess a lot of Islander fans really enjoy that because of all the years of back and forth between Islander and Ranger fans. So the Leafs checked in at 11% uh, as the team everybody hates, and that's pretty much the Tavares situation. Uh, the Lightning were at 8%, which I think is up a little bit if we'd asked the same questions last year because the yeah, Lightning have been the ones to thwart the Islander Stanley Cup dreams. Penguins are about 7.7%. See them a lot in the playoffs. Tables have definitely turned in that rivalry uh, from how it used to be. But the Rangers, 63%. Always the Kings, I guess, uh, of, of, of team the team that the Islander fans love to hate. Um, and as far as the opposing player... Islanders fans dislike the most. I expected a lot of John Tavares, which we got, but it wasn't the runaway winner. Tom Wilson was the runaway winner. 
Um, and really, it's what's funny to me is that the last major Tom Wilson incident with the Islanders, one that you'd remember, is now six years ago in the 2015 playoffs with Lubo Vishnovsky. But I always give Islander fans an immense amount of credit for having the best memories. And they remember stuff. If I ask any diehard Islander fan about something that happened 15 or 20, 25 years ago, I, I, I just found out not long ago that Zdeno Chara and Eric Cairns were pretty regular deep air in the 2000-2001 season. And I'm sure any Islander fan who was paying attention in that area remembers that. But it's uh, it, it's definitely a, a, a uh, an impressive uh, impressive skill that a lot of Islander fans have to remember, not just the good stuff uh, from long time ago, but some of the not-so-good stuff. So they remember Tom Wilson on Lubo Vishnovsky. Um, they hate Tom Wilson a lot. So more so than John Tavares. Uh, there were a few other names that cropped up maybe more than they would have in years past. Nikita Kucherov got in there a lot. Um, Chris Letang's name was mentioned a lot. Crosby was in there, but not quite as much. So, uh, But Tom Wilson is uh, is the guy Islander fans love to hate. And, and the last question that we asked in the survey was, the Islanders will win a Stanley Cup blank. Uh, will it be this year, within five years, within 10 years, or never? Now, at a different time in the Islanders' existence, maybe not that long ago, never would have uh, would have gotten a pretty healthy uh, healthy response. But uh, this time it was it was only about uh, I think it was about eight percent, seven or eight percent. Um, so there's always going to be pessimists, certainly in every fan base. It's just the way it is. But uh, the overwhelming majority, sixty one percent, said in the next five years. So maybe not this season. Twenty seven percent said this season. But I think projecting down the road to see that this team is in a much different place than it was a couple of years ago, that there's not necessarily guys that are going to be here in five years and like Parise, Chara, um, but that guys that want to be here and try to take the, take one last run at a Stanley Cup, um, that there are guys that are signed for a while now, like Adam Pellick, like probably Ryan Pollock will be after this season. Uh, the core guys, Matthew Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier. Casey Zizekas, uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, Kyle Palmieri, who signed up as well. Um, there are guys that are going to be here for a long time that that are either in their prime or not too far past it into their t- late 20s that uh, that are gunning for a win. And uh, and Lou Lamarillo, who's not going to sit around and be patient, obviously, and, and worry about whether they have enough draft pick stockpiled or or prospects in the in the in the pipeline. This is a team that wants to win now, that's gunning to win now. And I think they've conducted themselves this offseason in a way that they want to win now. So when they hit the ice on Thursday, we're going to see how they look and uh, how the season proceeds. It's going to be a difficult start with that 13-game road trip to begin the season before UBS Arena opens on November 20th. But, um, you know, I think if they're out of that 500 or close to it, that's probably the place you want to be uh, heading into a stretch where you're going to have a lot of home games. So, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. We're going to be here to talk about it all the way through, like I said, with a lot of great guests. And uh, as always, with uh, with Islanders talk number one and, and all your best interests at heart. So thanks for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform, leave a rating and review, and if you're enjoying the show, it really helps us out. If you can, check out the Tuesday episode of The Athletic Hockey Show featuring Travis Zajac, who just retired after 15 years in the NHL, including a playoff run with the Islanders last season. You can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. 
start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic. You can visit theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. Talk to you next week.